Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Friday, April 14th. Coming up, three coaches from Independence are teaming up to bring the sport of boxing back from the brink and keep young people away from the street life. So to give a kid that, it's the sport that can drive them in a positive direction. We'll hear from the coaches inspiring the next generation of fighters in Kansas City. Plus, when the first White Castle opened in Kansas, it revolutionized the American hamburger. Imitators of all shapes and sizes popped up around the country. It was a craze. Everybody just thought that this new product was so incredible. A century later, White Castle has completely disappeared from its home state and gotten ignored for its role in fast food history. But first, some headlines. Kevin Strickland is suing the Kansas City Police Department for, quote, serious misconduct that resulted in his wrongful conviction more than four decades ago. Strickland alleges that KCPD conducted a reckless investigation and constructed a false case that accused him of a triple homicide that he had no involvement in. Amelia Green is one of Strickland's attorneys. The only evidence used to implicate Mr. Strickland in this case was the product of police misconduct. Strickland's 43 years behind bars was the longest wrongful imprisonment in Missouri. He was freed in 2021. The Missouri Attorney General wants to use a business fraud law to limit medical gender-affirming procedures. KCUR's Noah Taborda reports. Attorney General Andrew Bailey wants to require anyone receiving puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, or gender transition surgery to undergo 15 sessions over 18 months with a psychologist. Physicians would not be allowed to prescribe puberty blockers or cross-sex hormones unless the patient has shown gender dysphoria for three consecutive years. It would also create a disclosure and screening process for physicians offering gender-affirming care. The Attorney General could then sue violators for fraud. The rule would be in effect from April 27th to next February. Missouri lawmakers have passed multiple bills that would limit medical transition for transgender minors. Kansas clinics are looking at how a federal appeals court ruling could affect how they prescribe the abortion pill mifepristone. Rose Conlin of the Kansas News Service reports the court preserved partial access to the drug. Mifepristone is approved by the FDA for use until 10 weeks of pregnancy. But starting Friday, that'll change to just seven weeks. The court also reinstated certain restrictions around office visits and mailing the drug. Kansas doctors say they're evaluating what that means for how they provide medication abortion, but it will remain available in some form. Medication abortion accounts for nearly 70 percent of abortions in the state. We'll be back after this. With the rise of mixed martial arts, the sport of boxing has lost ground with younger generations. But one referee and a gym in independence want to bring it back. KCUR's Lawrence Brooks IV reports on the partnership using the sweet science to build community. Coaches, fighters, and fans are packed inside a converted conference room at the Stony Creek Hotel in Independence. They're fixated on one of the three boxing rings that have been built for the occasion, the 2023 National Silver Gloves Tournament in February. Wayne Bailey Jr. must ignore the commotion in the room as he pirouettes around fighters in the center ring. 
Instead, Bailey is locked in as judge and referee. After the match, he says it's a high-pressure job. Don't listen to the crowd, because sometimes, you know, the crowd might be booing. They might hear their mom or cousin in the background, knock them out, blah, blah. So, man, you, you got to keep that laser focus, and you just got to stay dedicated to the mission. That mission is to accurately and safely critique some of the nation's most talented young fighters. He got into this work three years ago as a volunteer building rings for the Kansas City Golden Gloves events. So number one, you're looking for a clean and effective punching for overall competitiveness. You're looking for footwork. You're looking for defense. What he's learned working the ring here and other major cities has become an avenue to connect with at-risk youth and independents. Bailey runs a nonprofit out of his garage called Leave No Doubt. By partnering with a local boxing gym, he hopes to shape the Metro's next generation of fighters. That's my goal is to build the confidence. Like outside of just coming over here to work out, I know the basics of boxing. But if it's a kid that I see like, man, this kid really might be something, I'm going to take him to the master. All right, here we go. Let's go. <laughs> Courtney Epperson is that master, and MA Youth Athletics is the partnering gym. The 48-year-old coach has been in and around the sport for more than two decades. His daughter Brianna won a Silver Gloves title for her weight class last month and is the most decorated female amateur boxer in Kansas City history. So, Epperson knew Bailey was serious the day he walked into the gym. He shared with me his dream, his views, and what he thought. So I was on board with him. Anytime you want to send somebody here, I'm open to it. Then when I saw him open up his own house to the youth in his area, I said, okay, he meant that. So I've always been impressed with his vision. m and now works with about 25 kids from Independence and Kansas City, from beginners to amateur level boxers. Epperson is a consummate student of the sport. He follows other gyms around the country for new coaching styles and tips. Andy's had his eye on a particular system around Washington, D.C. The places like the DMV area, they are on it. That's how I would like for us to interact, just like that. Epperson says that system has produced current champions because of the cohesion between gyms and the region. Tino Camacho was co-founder and youth trainer at the gym. He's lived in Independence for more than two decades and says the city has changed from a thriving middle-class suburb to impoverished. He thinks boxing is perfect for keeping kids engaged and off the streets. The sport of boxing requires complete dedication to be successful. When you're passionate about anything, everything else kind of goes to the side. So to give a kid that, it's the spark that can drive them in a positive direction. M&A offers beginner classes Mondays and Fridays, plus competitive training. Camacho says the experience can transform young people, and the effects don't end when they step out of the ring. Some people are born fighters, and if you don't give them that outlet, there's only one place for them to go, and that's generally the penitentiary. Camacho says his gym could partner with the city or schools to find those at-risk youth. In the meantime, these three will continue giving youths a place where they can learn some discipline, develop some skills, and blossom into productive adults, even if they never become the next great boxing champion. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Lawrence Brooks IV. America's first fast food chain started 102 years ago in Kansas, and its sliders inspired our national burger obsession decades before the Big Mac. From the KCUR podcast, A People's History of Kansas City, Mackenzie Martin brings us the story of White Castle. 
As the legend goes, it was at a diner in Wichita, Kansas, where a fry cook named Walt Anderson altered the course of fast food history. He was frying these meatballs and he got frustrated and took the spatula and just slammed it down, made it into a patty. And people liked it. That's David Hogan, author of the book Selling Them by the Sack, White Castle and the Creation of American Food. Hogan calls this the start of the modern hamburger. Prior to that, it had been essentially a meatball on a slice of bread. He put it between two halves of a bun, and now we have the food that we're most familiar with. By 1920, Walt Anderson had four burger stands to his name. Dubbed King of the Hamburger, he captured the attention of a Wichita salesman. Billy Ingram wanted to turn Walt's hamburger stands into a large-scale restaurant chain. But there was a big problem. Most Americans didn't trust ground beef. In the early 1900s, meat processing plants were infamous for their unsanitary conditions. Walt and Billy wanted to tackle that stigma head on. He said, we have to have the best product, the healthiest product, in the most cleanly surroundings that we could possibly have. Their new concept debuted in March 1921, the White Castle system of eating houses. To convince Americans to eat hamburgers, Billy promised them the same perfect experience every time. White Castle restaurants all had identical open concept layouts, so customers could watch as cooks in crisp white shirts prepared their burger on the impeccably clean grill. Adam Chandler recounted this in his book, Drive Through Dreams. He would tour local ladies groups around and show them, these are our state-of-the-art appliances. Here is our pristine, clean store. We're going to grind the meat in front of you. And it wins them over because the price is right and the marketing of it, the showmanship that went along with these hamburgers was hard to beat. White Castle opened restaurants all over. Omaha, Kansas City, St. Louis, Chicago, New York. It was a craze. Everybody just thought that this new product was so incredible. Trying to capitalize on that success, copycat burger stands emerged from the woodwork, imitating the small square sliders, castle-themed architecture, and even the name itself. Chains like White Tower, Royal Castle, and Crystal. People in cities across America said, okay, there's something about this White Castle. We're not sure what it is. So let's just copy the whole damn thing. Of course, these days, there isn't a single White Castle location left in the entire state of Kansas. The company moved its headquarters from Wichita to Columbus, Ohio. Around here, the only place you can get those sliders is the freezer aisle. But its influence can still be felt in other ways. When White Castle started pulling out of the Kansas City metro in the late 1930s, several employees went on to start their own burger chains, like Town Topic. Similar to White Castle, Town Topic makes its burgers by steam griddling the patty on top of raw onion. Really, you could make the case that all fast food companies, even McDonald's, have lifted something from White Castle's playbook. Time magazine named their original slider the most influential burger of all time. Could just any hamburger inspire this kind of loyalty? No, but then a White Castle is no ordinary hamburger. Although White Castle has fewer than 400 locations in the U.S., compared to tens of thousands for its competitors, it established the core promise of fast food. No matter where you are, you can find a quick, cheap, and familiar meal. What White Castle really did in paving the way for all of its burgerly brethren is, is hard to match. 
it's hard to understand, it's hard to grasp, because it came from virtually nothing. If it weren't for White Castle, after all, America might never have fallen in love with the hamburger in the first place. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Mackenzie Martin. You can hear a longer version of this story on KCUR's podcast, A People's History of Kansas City. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Lawrence's story on MA Youth Athletics and Mackenzie's story on White Castle, visit KCUR.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. On Monday, we'll take a closer look at Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey's order limiting transgender health care. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Thank you.